0: This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. My name is Roger Osorio. I am your host. I'm also a reinvention coach and author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I'm excited to be here with Jenna Fershine, who is a strategist and creative human. She is based in Boston and has over 15 years of experience in corporate retail, nonprofits, digital agencies, and community work. Jenna is known for her holistic approach to strategic operations and her ability to create cohesive environments that are well-equipped to serve any business. Jenna prides herself on her empathy, stability, understanding, and creativity, which enable her to connect the dots between the creative and analytical aspects of her work. She has a deep passion for diving into data and leveraging the insights to inform strategic decision-making while also ensuring continuous innovation. Jenna, thank you so much for being here. We met so many years ago at Startup Weekend. And it's really interesting because I was just interviewing someone else, another episode that will come out probably very close to yours, who I met at the same Startup Weekend, Travel Tech Edition. So I, I love that I'm connecting with so many folks that you know were part of my journey to reinvention in Startup Weekend and here we are and we get to hear about your journey to reinvention. And there's so many parts to it. So we've got a lot that we're gonna be talking about today. We're gonna to be talking about high level, like just what was your journey to reinvention, all the major stops, I'm really excited to also talk about motherhood and being a working mother and what that means to you. I know that, well, I'm not a working mother, but my wife and I just had a baby. So, you know, we'll be able to connect on a lot of these topics. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on on your journey to reinvention right now. There's some interesting plot twists, maybe we'll call it that for now. And you, you know, you can share some of it and you know, for the listeners, what I want you to take away from this is you're going to hear a little bit about reinvention as it's happening. You know, the journey to reinvention, often we hear the highlight moments, right? We hear about, well, you know, once upon a time when I was, or here's another big victory I had along my journey, but it's every now and then we have this opportunity to hear somebody share something that's happening right now. And these are the moments that we all go through at some point. And so I'm really excited, Jenna, that you're so open about sharing this. So let's kick things off. Give us the high level view. Tell us about all of the stops you've made along your journey to reinvention and maybe highlight a couple of those.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um I also want to say that I've been following your journey since we met, like we connected on LinkedIn. And I was like, what does he do? And this was when you were in the innovation team at IBM, and I know that your your course has changed drastically since then. But I was like, what are these cool people who are running these like really cool events and like I'm not and I thought you had to know how to code and I and and the person That I was introduced to didn't know how to code. He had a business mind and I wish I would have participated, but now I follow tech stars and like all of that. And I just see the what's produced and like how you've been inspired and your journey and just staying connected with you has been really incredible. So I'm so glad that we're able to do this together.
0: (laughs) Uh, I appreciate that. And, you know, I think that's the cool thing about events like this You know, like I said, I interviewed somebody just yesterday who I also met at that same startup weekend. And that's the cool part about these kinds of events. You know, they put us in a room together in an intense situation, super compressed, lots of intensity for three days straight. You can't help but like, just create amazing relationships out of that. And people that you stay in touch with, you know, we may not be like hanging out all the time or, you know, and all of that, but anytime we connect, boom. It's like just, there's always instant magic and chemistry. So I'm really glad that we get to do this together as well. So thank you so much.
1: So my journey, as you said, has been nonlinear, but every point has gotten me to the next point, which I think is so cool. And when I look back years ago, I even realized this, not even now, but since then it has also happened. So I wanted to be in fashion like everybody that I knew, growing up. I went to business school for high school. I thought I was going to go to business school for college. I interned in high school and then through college at a big little fashion house, a well-known fashion house. And then when I graduated, which by the way, I graduated with a degree in religion, comparative religion and a minor in history. I dropped econ really fast. Math was like not my game, but turns out when you apply it in real life, you can really understand math. So it's like, who would have thought that I would be doing math and analytics now? So when I graduated, I went into fashion PR and then the recession hit. And so out went my job, but along the way, I did other things. I worked for my dad, who's a doctor. I worked as a hairstylist, and then I started temping and the temp agency. I worked for a food and beverage company and that became full-time. I was an office assistant and then I became the executive assistant. I don't want to be an executive assistant. I want to go into sales, not customer service, but sales. I was working with the salespeople. I was doing the marketing for them. So all this stuff. Well, they said, no, we don't see you in sales. We don't want to move you to sales. And so when my sales rep at Staples was like, we're hiring. And I was like, great. And then I got hired and I stayed there for about a year and a half. And then I said, I don't really want to be in sales anymore. I want to go back to fashion. And my friend was like, there's a whole other side to fashion that you didn't know about. There's all these people working in numbers and all like logistics and blah, blah, blah. So then I got hired there and I was there. I for almost two years. I had seven managers in that time. But what I took away from it was I had to learn when he left, he created this huge forecasting document. He used access. He didn't teach anybody how to use it before he left. And all the coding was wrong. All the Excel math was absolutely wrong. I had to teach, I taught myself access and me along with like a team of like five other people figured out how to work through this document. So I knew that I had the skills to like take it to the next level. So then I said, you know, I feel underappreciated when you've had seven managers. So I left and I went to Macy's because I still wanted to stay in fashion. Um, And I went into price operations, which at the time it was actually very novel. Now a lot of companies have price operations. I was there for five and a half years. I also had been there for so long that like, By the time I left, I had been burned out like like years before being there. So, um, and we had gone through reorgs there. Uh, My managers stayed the same-ish, but we, while I was there, I think we changed divisions maybe three times. I mean, like, so like how it's run totally changes. And then I said, I need to get out of retail. I'd been trying basically since I started at Macy's to get another job. So... I went and worked at a nonprofit as a chief of staff. And then so that really was able to be like, okay, I'm no longer in retail, people understand administration, they understand analytics, they understand that I can do like a lot of things. Let's take this to the next level. Um and I posted on LinkedIn and I said, if you're looking for marketing, if you're looking for analytics, if you're looking for operations, I think I posted probably 10 things. And a friend messaged me and said, I have a startup. I want you to come work for me. So every step was, you know, calculated and was, I need to move somewhere else. How do I get to that next place? And what's important to me to get to the next place?
0: You know, there's so much to unpack there. Uh, One of the things that stands out is actually something you said at the very beginning, which was this idea that, you know every point on your journey led you to your next one and i you know i think about that in terms of this research project i found that i think is based at harvard university called the dark horse project and if anyone listening wants to look it up just type in the dark horse project type in harvard it might be there and then it'll come up a little faster but essentially what they studied were career paths and they were trying to see like what do career paths actually look like of successful people in different areas and different domains and one of the things that they found was that. Usually a career path looks like a straight line that moves up and to the right. And that's how we tend to see it, write about it, talk about it and all of that. But when you zoom in on it, you see all these crazy zigzags. And it's only when you zoom in, do you start to notice. And when they talk to those people, one of the key ideas that those people shared was that when they were going through their careers, they often never thought about anything but the next move. Because they found that they couldn't really predict the next move. It's just one of those things that happens once you get to that point, then you're like, oh. I have a few options here. Could I have predicted all three of these options five years ago? You know, like you, when you got to Macy's, you know, you probably couldn't have that predicted that you were going to, I know what I'm going to do in five and a half years. I'm going to work at a nonprofit as an EA. Like, there's no way you said that five and a half years, like when you showed up at, at Macy's. But it's one of those things that an opportunity presents itself and then that leads you to that point. And then, you know, from there, it takes you to another point. I think that's a big idea for anyone listening who is worried that they're not going to make the right next decision, the right next move. It's not about any move being right or wrong. It's about what you do with that move. And I think that's what we're hearing in your story. And as we get into even more specifics later and all of that, I think we'll learn that, you know, yeah, it's it's what you do with the opportunity. One of the other things that really stood out for me about your story is also how open-minded you clearly were about the types of roles that you took on. Because I think it's easy to say like, no, I can only move up into the right, which means I have to, the next title has to be better than the current title. And that's it, I would never even look at a title that is below me for sure, and maybe barely even look at one that's at the same level. And I feel like that is so limiting. And when I hear your story, I'm like, wow, that sounds so cool. You've seen so many different parts of organizations. You've connected with so many different humans at so many different levels, looking at the world and those businesses from different perspectives. You have all these vantage points that now whatever you do next, you bring this incredible breadth of perspective that not everyone has, who's just gone up into the right in every position. I think this is so important for those listening to take away from your story that don't, don't allow the title to dictate whether you go or not do whatever you take. I feel like you went after an org or an industry more than you did a title. And if the title was be the office assistant done, let's do it, whatever as long as I'm in, like, that's, I just want to see what happens, like when I'm in, and I'll figure it out from there. I'll add my value. I'll bring my unique twist and flavor and style to whatever I do. Can you comment on on that? And you know, your thoughts as you went through that journey and keeping that open mind?
1: Yeah, I think some of it, like going from corporate retail to a nonprofit was mental health. And I also took pay cuts. So like at every job that I had, I did have growth. Being at a startup, you have to take a pay cut. And being a nonprofit, I had to take a a pay cut, but it was so important for my mental health. I knew who my manager was going to be. And she's one of the best managers that I've had. I really enjoyed working with my team there. And then we went remote because of COVID. And then it was like, I'm never going back again. Like I'm never going not to be remote or at least very minimally hybrid and when I was at Macy's I went to multiple talks from top leaders and they talked about not having a linear career within the corporate world the issue with that is they were still at the same company but a lot of these positions were created while I was there when I started I think it was only like I don't know. I'm not going to say a number, but it was very young. And then what we did expanded because we kept on taking things from other people. And the same thing, a new position was created and moved over from the finance department. And so all these things that work together benefit. people. Well, I had friends who took and, and colleagues who took a third assistant position or a third associate position because there weren't enough buyer positions. So even that's not nonlinear, but it's not normal in, in the sense of, and, and, you know, I didn't talk about this at all, but like all through this, I had second careers, personal career. Like I had a blog and a small consulting business. I taught social media. I was a zoom instructor. I sold on eBay. So like at every step I had, a, I had a hobby that was also before hustle culture was a thing, hustle. And then I also did like really fun stuff. I did karaoke every Wednesday for five years. I took dance classes in New York City. And it's like dancing for people who just want to be an adult and learn choreography. You don't have to be a good dancer. All those things, all those pieces, all those connections, like having a blog about Jersey City for, I think it was five years. And then be also being on my condo board for, I don't know, seven years is like, you learn so much. And I was on my neighborhood association board. So like, even though those aren't true career positions, they still add to everything that I've done. So.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I talk a lot about having these side hustles or passion projects that we run on the side. And, you know, because we learn so much about ourselves every time we engage in something new. And so projects are like the ultimate way to get to know yourself better. Your job while it may take 40 to 60 hours of your week is still only one project. It's a big one, but it's still a project in your, in your life. And if that's the only one we have then we're only getting to know ourselves from one perspective or from one vantage point. Whereas if you have all these projects on the side, you're getting to know yourself at a faster rate in multiple ways and from different perspectives. And that adds just so much, you know, perspective <laughs> to not I mean, I just overkilled that word. But to, it, it just brings so much uh, better understanding of who you are when you're doing that. So I totally hear that. I mean, I've had all these projects on the side that I've run. And, and it for me, it's like how I get to know myself. It's how I get to even figure out moves way down the road later when the time is right. I go, you know what, I did something in this a while back. And that was a lot of fun. I wasn't ready to continue at that point. But maybe I am now. And so now I have I bring some confidence to that thing. So I totally hear you. I think that's a really special part of the journey is to make sure that you're creating enough diversity in your experiences so that you can get to know yourself better. So I want to make sure that you know we we give enough time to the second topic, which is going to be really important. And we're going to talk about motherhood and working and being a working mother. And you know one of the things you shared was how from the outside looking in, especially like on platforms like Instagram or whatever, motherhood can actually look qu- quite glamorous, you know? And But you, you shared an interesting insight about that. Can you tell us a little bit about that, the, the behind the scenes part of that, that it takes, you know?
1: Motherhood is really hard. I know some people settle into it so easily. Um, I have friends who, to them, it's just easy breezy. To me, it was really hard, it is really hard. Even yesterday, I was so overstimulated, so overemotional. I was trying so hard to regulate. Even with like taking a few minutes for myself multiple times, I still just like exploded, And it happens. And I have a two and a half year old. I said sorry to him multiple times. I didn't yell at him. I yelled at like the universe around us. And it just so happened to be him part of it. But I think also what helps is that I'm then able to be like, I know I did something wrong. I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do this. This has nothing to do with you. And that's what we also need to take in leadership wise. It's very hard as a leader and as a manager to do that, to say like, I messed up. But having that vulnerability really shows your team that you're willing to put yourself out there for them. Like when at one of my corporate retail jobs, Messing up was a huge deal, no matter no matter the size. And we were able to put in, you know, urgent requests to change and things happen and whatever. I mean, big deal. And someone had come from Target and he says, well, they actually ask you to mess up. They want you to mess up so you know how to fix it. So you don't do it again, but you're not in trouble for it. Because if you get in trouble for it, then you're going to do it again because you're so nervous. And I, that also, I don't want my son to feel because I'm mad him to be nervous. I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at the situation. I'm, he's two and a half. He can't, someone said, look at their little hands when you get mad. So to me, that's really important. So
0: yeah, well, you know, here's what I'm hearing in that story. By the way, I love the little hands thing. I want to keep that in mind, you know, with my little baby Sophia as uh, as she starts to get older and no doubt, you know, happens to be around when I might be uh, yelling at the universe or her. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But this, you know, what I'm hearing here is that, you know, sometimes like we can look at it and it could just look like, wow, it looks like so much fun and so glamorous. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fears behind that. There could be insecurities or challenges that require courage and boldness, you know, in order to address this, in order to be able to show something that looks really like, you know, amazing and special because it ultimately is amazing and special. And obviously, you know, we want it to be that way. But it doesn't just happen like it's not just boom that's just the way the situation is like you said it's difficult you know another topic we talked a lot about was you know being a a a mother on your terms and what that means and and you shared some really great examples around breastfeeding and how you even handle that while you're working uh can you tell us a little bit about that and just you know the the courage that you need to have to be okay with decisions like that
1: when i was still at the nonprofit, i was there for another eight eight months after my son was born. And first we had help. First we had some college students help us, um, so part-time nannying. So they would be with us for like part of the day. My husband would take the baby because he was in grad school. So I would schedule my meetings around when I knew that my son would be hungry. It was much easier as he got older because then we really knew when he was going to be eating. My son never like is a distracted eater. Like you can't have music, you can't have TV, you can't have, can't have a conversation. Like he also will say like, get out. Like he just needs his, he needs his personal time with me. And so like, even if I tried to do it on video when he was little, like disaster zone. So I said, I step away. I say, I'm going to be gone for seven minutes and I will be back. Sometimes it's 10 or 15, sometimes it's four. And then I would come back to the meeting and that was it. To me, it was a priority over sitting in a meeting and if I was so important to the meeting they would just pause the meeting and I would come back and we would restart the meeting
0: this is truly what it means to to live life on your terms it's to decide what's important to you what are your values what's important to you what's your purpose you know how do you want to do things and and honoring that even when there's others waiting on you because let's face it there will always be someone waiting on you because there's just so many hours in a day so something has to give and And that, you know, going back to what I said earlier, the behind the scenes courage and boldness and the fears and the and the challenges and all of that. This is part of that. Right. You had to have that courage in order to say, declare that this is how I'm going to do things. And look, I didn't plan for this. I tried to time it all well, but, you know, he's back early. So this is what we're doing. And I'm mom and this is how it works (laughs) biologically. So dad can't fill in on this one. So here's here's what we're going to do. I think that's an incredibly important thing, because even if you, know, you are not a mother, but you are on your journey to reinvention, maybe there's something that for you really needs to be a non-negotiable. But right now you are allowing there to be negotiations for that time. You know, I remember when I earlier in my career exercise such an important part of like my routine exercise was how I created energy for the day. And in order to be able to be a teacher, like I really needed that energy because students will demand that of you. Otherwise forget about it, that's just not gonna work out. And I taught middle school math at the time. So I really needed that energy. And I remember that the schedule barely allowed for me to work out. I'm talking, I, I was going to the gym like super early, like at 5.30 or six in the morning, but the commute into the city and to go to the school, you know, was also like about an hour, maybe a little bit more. So it was really hard and they wanted me there by eight. When I got to IBM, the same thing, like I, you know, when I got that offer, I said, I need this. Like, this is what I need. This is my ritual for getting ready. And I love how you same thing. There's so many areas in life that we can apply your mindset, your approach and and that courage to say this is a non-negotiable and I'm doing it. Bye, everybody. Pause, you know, pause video, mute and step away.
1: There are so many people now talking about boundaries. But it's so hard to put them in place. So, like, for me, a boundary was that I didn't want to have meetings after three o'clock. When my son came home and and he, we call it boo-boo, had boo-boo, that was it. I would look at my phone, I would slack, I would email, like when he was sitting watching TV, like, but meetings after three o'clock don't work. He wants me, he wants to see me. Even if I even if he's doing nothing that includes me, he needs me in his eyesight. Like That was it. And and I could have meetings at nine. I could have meetings at 8 30. Most and we were an international company. So that was fine. And then I also said I don't want to have meetings at lunch. I want to take naps. Like that was like I'm get like I'm gonna take a nap. I'm gonna I'm gonna take an hour and have lunch. I do enough work. And for me, it was about productivity and efficiency. Like I do not, I'm not a, a time counter. I'm not a like, what are you doing with your life? Like no, get your work done, get your shit done. You're good. I don't care. It's hard when you work in a a timekeeping company, like with contractors and, and people that are not salaried. But to me, it is such an important aspect of this new evolution of working, not just remote, because, and this is also a conversation, remote is not the same as work from home. I want to be able to, and the reason I stopped working at three was one so that I could have snack with my son and we could sit and play and he could watch his tractor dig dig shows, but also so I could cook dinner. I wanted to be able to cook dinner and have enough time to do it. I didn't want to feel like I had to meal prep the whole week on Sunday and, 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 and spend the whole day doing that because then I wouldn't be with my family. So those are also non-negotiable and boundary settings for me. So I think that while these are hot topics, it's also putting it into more digestible ways for people to understand how they can implement it into their lives is way more important than being than like the no conversation. Yes, the no conversation is really important. And and the conversation about saying, like, if I take a project in, then a project has to be put on hold. But also your Sanity—not just like your mental health, but like your actual, like your sanity of it all—is the most important. And do you really need a meeting at four thirty on a Friday? Like, no. Do you need a meeting on Monday morning at nine o'clock? Absolutely not. Take the debt. Take the morning. Um, I just saw a company. They don't start work until twelve o'clock on Monday, and they end two o'clock on Friday, so that you don't get the Sunday scaries. And, and, wow. oh, I also said, I'm not working on Fridays, which turned out that I would, like would check and would do projects if I needed to. But like, I didn't want to have meetings on Fridays. I didn't want to be held accountable for things on Fridays. If I got stuff done or I knew my team needed me, I would be there. And, and, and boundary setting is non-negotiable. I think is, it is a hot topic. And I think it will forever be as we try to understand, you know, the 40 hour work week and what that means and, you know, putting the cherry on top of the cake and the, in the conveyor belt line and then being able to go home and someone taking care of the house and the world is like so different and in order to be able to have those things that I really want I need to set that up for myself
0: absolutely and I feel like when you do that and you set those those boundaries you know to use your word in place and you know here you're non-negotiables then you know everything else will find a way to fit around that you will figure that out It's like this story that they say, like a professor of a lesson, a professor taught at a university once where he got a jar and he had a box full of rocks and pebbles and sand and all of that. And, you know, and so the sand represents all the little things in life. The rocks, of course, separate uh, representing the most important things in your life. Moral of the story, if you start with the sand and the little pebbles, the rocks won't fit in. But if you put the rocks in first, the sand and the pebbles, of course, you know, fill the spaces around the big rocks. And I feel like that is what you're talking about. You put the big rocks in first and the side of this, is, and the rest will just fit in wherever it can fit in. It'll find a way in. But if you don't do it in that order, you actually can't have it all. But if you do it in that way, the way you do it, it is figure outable. It is totally figure outable. It can be done. It's just a matter of figuring out how, and that's it. It will be done. Yeah.
1: Something new that I just learned, definitely I learned this on LinkedIn because now I'm LinkedIn obsessed at the moment, but I... Um, learned that priority, which was start, the word came about in like the 1500s, was singular. It was never used in the plural until like, I don't know, the past hundred years, recent. So when you talk about priorities at work, when you talk about priorities in your life, truly, what is your one priority right now? So if you're working on a project, make that your one priority because What happens when we multitask? Even if you can, you can't fully focus. We don't fully read emails. We get overexcitable. And all those things just add to our own stress. We're doing it to ourselves. So yes, you can have little ones. Like what's the major thing? What do I need to work on right now that is going to make the biggest impact? Or what is my biggest priority? My biggest priority is my family. So that is. That is where you lead, right? That's where you go.
0: Yeah, there's this book um, you might have heard of it called The One Thing, by I think it's Gary Keller, and essentially it's what you're talking about. It's uh, you know, it's asking yourself this question: What's the one thing that matters today? Like that, if I get this done, the rest of the day is set in motion for success. Like it'll this will be the most important thing. So meaning, if I get nothing else done, this is the thing to do because it will make the day a victory. And and I love the way you know you talked about that. Wow, did not know about the priority thing, but you're right. That makes so much sense. It's like, what's the point of a priority when there's like multiple priorities? <laughs> never, I never questioned that. And are uh,
1: fire burn- like then you're just, you're fire burning down a house. Like yeah. th- then if you have all those priorities, my husband and I, when I left my current position, which I know that we're going to get to, I said, I need to do check-ins in the morning. I need to help, hold myself accountable. I want to have check-ins. It didn't work. Neither of us were holding ourselves accountable. But this week I said, what are we doing today? And what are we doing this week? And we did everything on the list. And some of these things I've been asking to be done in the house for months, there's one thing left that maybe I'll get to tomorrow if I wanted to. It's important. It's cleaning the bathtub. But like everything else was done. We cleaned the whole living room and kitchen we steam vacuumed the wooden floors. I mean, like we haven't cleaned in months. We cleaned up my son's toys. We organized, like I needed this to happen. And something for my mental health. And I've said this to my husband, I was like, it doesn't matter if any other room is messy. If the living room is messy, it causes me so much stress that like that mom stress. So now every week I'm going to do that for big projects that I want to do and hold myself accountable Cause it feels really good. I don't need to be like when I, when I used to write on Facebook, like this is what I did during the day. People were like, you got that all accomplished. Or like someone would be like, you did that by mm-hmm. one o'clock. I was like, yeah, it was like easy. I, it doesn't mean, I don't need that. I have to be okay. If I do that one thing and call that productive, like I sent that really important email that I needed to send. That's okay. That's productive. I needed to like, do that. That was like the most important thing, and I needed to spend my time writing it. I wrote, you know, I wrote it in Word, and then I got ChatGPT to make it sleeker, which is what I asked ChatGPT to do. Please keep this tone, but make it sleeker. And then I I edit it back and I put other words back in. it. That's where I think we need to get back to. Not the how much more can we do and what can we do, blah blah blah. Like we need to be productive and efficient, but we also need to make it make sense. And that's also in our lives too. It's everywhere.
0: No, absolutely. I mean and and again it goes back to that idea that the original term priority meant one thing, not multiple. So figure out what that one thing is and focus on that, you know? And when that's done, then you can come up with a new priority at that point. I want to move on to another topic that you also shared which was incredibly important along your your, your motherhood journey and it was finding a community of other moms and the role that has played. Can you tell us a little bit more, you know, about the power of community in this particular case?
1: Absolutely. So as I said before, motherhood for me was really, really hard. I was not late diagnosed because there are people like diagnosed two years into having a child with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. But I was diagnosed, I would say around three months I was told that what I was having was the baby blues. I mean, like I was literally like I was getting so aggressive and just just everything I felt like screaming the entire time. and Like no one was listening. I also we were in a really tough rental situation. And I had met these moms like literally days after my son was born. There was an online group. Um, originally it was in person and they would send people to you and it, and you could go to groups too. Um, and then you also had someone who was a mom who was trained to talk to you, which is really cool. So I met those women and then most of them were from the all of them were from the area. And then someone online, she started a Facebook group for moms in the two years or year and a half around my son's birth. So then I connected with people there. And so I have like a group of women and parents we just hang out with. And like, sometimes it's me and the other mom, Sometimes it's, you know, both couples and their kids or two and one, like it's, it's wonderful. And being able to have people where you don't feel judged and you can be yourself not only do I have PPA and PPD, but I also have anxiety, general anxiety and social anxiety. So I can be in a social situation and no one knows that I'm having like all the things running through my head. How do I look? Are they judging me? Blah, blah, blah. But then also like I ruminate on conversations. So having like that, where I don't have to rethink about conversations with people is absolutely huge. And I've actually found two other moms recently. We're now like a Group of three, and we like we love each other's kids, and we love each other's husbands, and our husbands love each other, and my kid loves every parent. So, having that is really, really important. And while we were prepping for this, I wrote down a few, they're on Instagram and on TikTok people, and I have to say, most of them are cishet women, mothers, but. There are lots of other people I follow. These were just the ones that like popped into my mind. Um, People can follow. Dr. Becky is huge. um, And she also has an organization. She talks about responsive parenting, but now the term is also authoritative parenting. And someone said, and which I've always thought, but it's without the like screaming and the any type of abuse that came with parenting of years past. She gives really, really, really good ways to talk to your child and let them know that while no, they can't have something you understand. So like if my son really wants something, like we say, I understand you really want it. I wish I could give it to you. Now he's still screaming in my face because it's tolerant. He doesn't know how to handle his emotions, but he's also listening and understanding that we get what he's saying. We're just not giving it to him. And with repetition, Um, someone else, her name is, domestic blister. She has ADD, ADHD, and she gives guides to people and even non-neurodivergent people on how to make your life easier. Mama cusses. She is hysterical. She is neurodivergent. She talks about like, she has a little one or two little ones and a teenager. And like, she shares like what her teenager brings for lunch, like dumps the bag of Cheetos into her lunchbox with mustard. And that's her lunch. And she's like, she makes her own lunch now. This is what she gets. Like, And she talks about just like the normality of having children and having a life. And like, that's what sets these women apart. Two other ones I want to mention are Emily Vondi and Lindsay Girk. They just talk about funny stuff. One of them does recreations of what she thinks her kids' conversations are when she finds them doing something. She found one of the kids just eating, climbed up the counter, eating out of a bag of sugar. The other one has four kids and is pregnant and she's like, she's just normal and funny. And it's, it just makes you feel like it's okay to be yourself, to be weird, to sit in your weirdness. We were, we were so taught our entire lives to not be weird. It's definitely changing, but I'm trying so hard to like allow my authentic self to come out and, and finding people that you feel like you can just be yourself with and not be judged is incredible, especially because for someone who still has PPA and PPD, and now we know that the recovery from motherhood, it takes seven years is what really like is the scientific thing. It's not, you know, two years, it's not whatever, like our bodies, our minds or whatever, it's seven years. And so that's a lot that changes in like a flash And so having people that are going through it at the same time, having people that are older that have gone, gone through it, it just.
0: It's critical. And you know, the reason why I love this part of the story is because it's, I mean, it's no different in any other area, whatever it is, you know, if you're, you know, motherhood is a new domain to you, right? It's something that was not your previous domain and all of a sudden it becomes it. And this community helps you navigate all of the new things, plus the challenges you have you have support that you can lean on. And that makes it just a whole different experience than it, compared to feel it, doing it alone. And I feel like reinvention is no different. Whatever your reinvention is, whether you're becoming a mother or you want to become something else, you're going into a new world, finding that community is going to be so important. And this is something that you know I, I talk a lot about and I have learned is incredibly valuable. You know, we connected through a Startup Weekend event and that's a community that I've been a part of for almost a decade now. And it's a great community where I've been able to, you know, new opportunities. Uh, I've been able to create new opportunities from it. I've been able to just have a group of people that I can hang out with at times and just connect with. And it just changes everything. You, no matter how tough times are, it's great to just have a group that I can just rely on and all of that. So I love that part of the story because, you know, as you talked about motherhood, we covered a few key areas. You know, one was, you know, the most recent one being community. And the importance of that, but also you know the importance of setting your values and your boundaries, and then living by them. Making sure that they that you put that you put those rocks in the jar first, so that you can then drop pebbles and sand after that. Super important. You know, you also talked about the idea that it may look glamorous on the outside for a moment. You may see that at times in pictures and all of that, but always remember there's a bunch of lots of courage, lots of boldness, lots of fear lots of challenges behind the scenes that are really important for us to consider. So this is gonna be something that I think anybody who's on any journey to reinvention, wherever they might be, that is going to be important to have all of these elements. Now I wanna reserve these final minutes as we get ready to wrap things up, to talk about where you are on journey to reinvention right now with respect to your career. You know, you, you made a big decision share with us where you are. And as I I know it's a developing story, so I don't even have too many prompts here or anything like specific to ask because this literally just happened. It wasn't even intended to be part of this conversation. But I do appreciate your willingness to share because, you know, the journey to reinvention is not all pretty. You know, it may look that way on social media profiles, but, you know, there are bumps in the road. There are tough decisions. There's Just like motherhood, it may look nice on the outside, but behind the scenes, there's courage, there's boldness, there's fears, there there are challenges. So uh, tell us a little bit about the current situation and how you're navigating it.
1: So at the beginning of May, I decided to leave my current position. I have never taken a break. I have never, I've never not had another job lined up when I left another company. One time I had like a week in between and I've taken like two weeks in between and I suck at taking vacations. I take days, like I'm really going to take days, but like long vacations, because I also don't like planning long vacations. Um, so I had been saving specifically to have a sabbatical. And if this wasn't like the universe saying like, Jenna, now's the time to like take a break and whatever that means. I don't know what is. So I did a lot of napping those first like few weeks. Like, I, like we're now like a month past. I, I did a lot of napping. We did a little bit of traveling to my in-laws. My husband graduated from his grad program. There was like a lot of things happening. I don't know what's going to happen. I have a potential consulting company with somebody. I'm thinking about doing leadership like videos and really parsing through having a true, not just LinkedIn strategy, but like a true strategy, like a marketing strategy for myself. Who I want to reach out to? Um, We talked about that. It turns out that working mom seems to be right in your wheelhouse. So who am I reaching? What do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And I'm using my assistant, ChatGPT, to like flesh through things. Like this is what I want to do. What are some names that you're thinking of? ChatGPT does not give the best business names. And there are business names generators, but they're just like random. So I'm like, doesn't work for me. And there's so much out there. So like, what do I want to do? And yes, I'm still looking for corporate positions because I still, having the experience that I have now, there's so many places to go. However, the job market is really weird. Are the positions real? Are they just holding the position? Um, You need to know someone, which basically almost every job I've gotten, I've known someone to like, really trying like i message random people and i say i'm trying to get into your company can we have an informational interview especially at senior level positions i'm also looking into content writing um and content strategy myself to to do there's just like a lot of pieces happening and where I take them and what I want. Uh, Me and my friend want to make journals like and have a printable version and then also like a printed version. And then also you could sell the digital version on Etsy and sell them for like three bucks. And then people with iPads and who do things on computers with digital stuff can can do it. There's so much available. I don't want to get lost in the cloudiness of like find multiple revenues and here's how I made $10,000 in a, in a month, because it's not normal. It's those, those are wonderful as we talked about, but it's, it's not the norm. Um, but I do, and you even have, which I signed up for, you even have how to do side gigs and how to make multiple streams. I use chat GPT better. And I just want to sit in it and see what happens. So I don't know. It's like, it's a very weird time.
0: <laughs> That's why I so appreciate that you know we're, we we're talking about this because this is what the journey to reinvention is. You know, we make moves, right? And and what I'm hearing hearing your story is something was not right about what you were doing. And and you know, obviously, we we talked a little bit more about the longer version of the story. And you you know, you you gave it time. You know, you were very patient. You gave it a chance. And it hit a point where you were like, to your point, it wasn't just even that challenge, but it was also your body and, and, you know, all these other things happening that you finally decided, you know what, I got to make a decision here. And you did. Uh, You didn't wait for something to get better on its own or anything like that. You just said, look, this is what's right for me. And while I may not have the next thing perfectly lined up, I also know that, you know, I heard you say that you had saved up some runway for this. So you know this was within the realm of your planning and and even when you save up by the way this is something that i've learned from talking to others and also i've i've experienced myself it's easier said than done to pull the trigger even when you have a runway you know like rationally speaking you know you're good but that doesn't mean that it's you're good <laughs> in your mind like you're up against all this like other hardwiring that says no you're worthless if you're not an employee and if you're not like employed or making income you have no value and blah 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 and all these things because I had a runway for a while and it, w- and thankfully IBM like laid me off because I had a plan to leave February of that year for free. Like I was going to say, Hey guys, not working out for me anymore. I took a year to save up a runway. I did. I'm good. Like, you know, peace. And then I didn't say goodbye. Cause I was like, Ugh, you know, let me, let me just do one more thing. Let me just do one more thing before I go one more thing before I go. Then COVID came. Then I was like, let's see what this first pandemic in my life is all about, you know, before I just quit. And so I just kept on going. And then finally they said in May, you know what? Now we're going to, we're going to let you go. And I, you know, of course it sucks in the moment, but yeah, it's like, I I realized, Hey, I have things I had the the runway, I had the savings and on top of it, they give me a nice little tip on the way, right. Called severance. I'm like, what a nice little, like, you know, (laughs) contribution to my next reinvention. I appreciated that. But whether you quit, whether they quit you or however it happens, all the ways in between, you know, even if you have all that saved up, it's still hard. And, you know, like you said, you know, you kind of hung in there. It required your body to tell you, stop it, stop it. <laughs> then you were like, OK, like, got yes. uh, I will I will leave now. But then here's the thing, you know, like you said, now you're sitting in this moment. Now you're in this moment. And there are a lot of questions there are mm-hmm. and and not yet a lot of answers and and that's okay because you know the questions and so when you know the questions you know you you can find answers eventually and i feel like you're you're asking yourself a lot of questions which is great you're considering a lot of ideas which is great and you know you're you're allowing yourself to sit in this moment
1: i'm also potentially looking for something smaller like i said not just company wise but also title i don't need to be a vp again if the pay makes sense and how I can love my life makes sense, like those non-negotiable boundaries, then that's okay. There's many things that we can do that are full-time that, again, productivity over, over time. And then also potentially adding something in on top of that. I think that's what you teach in your reinvention. So it's not only about the side hustle, but it's about just finding the balance. I try to get out of hustle culture. And more, I like your idea of reinvention of like, of finding the passions um, and also making sure that I don't turn every single thing that I love and monetize it, which is something that is also ingrained in us as millennials and trying to, you know, reach that like boomer status of like getting what you want and having that perfect life and all that. It's a lot of, as you you talked about it, hardwiring, we have to rewire ourselves. To, there's a lot of things that we have to do and a lot of expectations in motherhood, in our journey, in what we want to do, that we have to just get rid of.
0: So, you know, I think this is a great stopping point. You know, I I really appreciate you sharing this last part because, again, like I said earlier, this is not something that we always get to capture. A lot of times we're reflecting on someone's journey to reinvention. And while we did reflect on a lot of yours, you know, you were willing to share one of those you know moments right now that i'm not even sure messy is not the right word but it's it's still uncertain it's still in process and so you don't know how this part's going to turn out but it's this key thing to have questions you know because if you've have if you have questions you will find answers and when you do that you know you're going to find the way you're going to find the way one way or another but the other thing is you have you know i can sense from you 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 have faith in yourself that you're going to figure this out and you're going to take your steps and you're going to do it at your own pace. And if washing the floors today is the victory of the day, then so be it. You're going to enjoy that. You're going to be proud of it. And you're going to say, today was a great day. Jenna, well, thank you so much. Uh, Again, I appreciate you sharing all of your insights with us. But so many lessons. We talked about motherhood, which you know is a topic that now I'm starting to learn a lot more about, not as a mother, but of course, you know, uh, being a father, a recent father, I've paid so much more attention to this. And I'm just absolutely blown away by that journey as well and how it is truly a natural moment for reinvention as well. It creates space for you to reconsider your values, your passions, your purpose, and how you might move forward and well, here you are moving forward on your terms and you've set those boundaries, you've set those non-negotiables and you're moving forward with that. So a lot that we learned here. So thank you again so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really
0: appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, Visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.